0: The Bloody Horns Podcast. All Chicago Bulls, all the time. What's up, Bulls Nation? This is the Bloody Horns Podcast, brought to you by your host, Justin. And we're here to break down kind of a state of the union of the Bulls, the state of the affairs of the Bulls. You know, this year has been nothing short of a disappointment. We're 14 games in, we're 6-8, and eight, and I know a lot of you guys are saying it's too early to press the panic button. And I agree, I'm not pressing The panic button here. I'm pressing the I'm very concerned button. I'm not panicking yet. I'm just very concerned about what this team has shown so far. And I know it. I know it's only 14 games in. It's a long season, but we're pretty much at that quarter point of the season. We're definitely at that midterm point of the season. We're at the point where you can kind of tell what these teams are going to shape up to be and I'm concerned about what the Bulls are going to shape up to be. You know, coming into the year, I was pretty high on this team. I thought they could play their way into a top 6 seed and that just hasn't bore out this year so far. It's it's been rough and the roughest part is the Bulls are not they're not rising to the occasion. We saw this last year where they didn't rise to the occasion and that Denver game brought back a lot of deja vu last year where these other teams these elite teams the denver nuggets the boston celtics the milwaukee bucks um the la clippers you know these teams that are going to be at the top of these conferences they know the chicago bulls are good they're coming in and they're not taking the bulls lightly so they're coming out with this high energy and they're just taking it to the chicago bulls right away the bulls need to be looking at these type of teams with that same mindset that same this is a great team this is an elite team this could be a statement game we need to come out here. We need to get on their ass. We need to put the wood to them. And the Bulls just ain't doing that this year. They're coming out slow. A lot of the games. How many games have we seen by the end of the first quarter? The Bulls are already down ten. Last night was one of them. Uh, how many games have we seen that come out the third quarter and they're just slow? They're just they're just sluggish. You know, it's a bad look for the Chicago Bulls. And last night was kind of my breaking point. You know, we got about midway through the third, and it became very clear that there was no comeback in the bulls once the nuggets put deandre jordan in and the bulls still didn't make a comeback i was like oh this shit's over this shit's done they're they're packing it in tonight and so i was like i'm not even gonna do a post-game podcast about this game because there's nothing really to say about that game it was such a pathetic effort trying to take any glimmers of hope from that game would just it'd be stupid there was nothing to be hopeful about following that game it was a dog shit effort on both ends by the chicago bulls if we're being real about it so I was like, let me take a day, let me look some things up, let me do some research, let me dive a little deeper into this and just do a podcast where we broke down what's going on with the Chicago Bulls and some paths they can take going forward to try to turn this thing around, so... Buckle up because there's gonna be some wild shit in this podcast and stuff that's gonna, gonna piss some Bulls fans off. You know, I've I've got people on Twitter who, when I've called out Billy or I've called out Vooch, or I've said anything on a podcast negative about the Bulls, they're like, oh, we hate negative fans. We don't like the doom and gloom. And I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm trying to be real, man. I'm just trying to keep it real about this team. It ain't all sunshine and rainbows with the Chicago Bulls team. They are six and eight right now. Six and eight. That is good for twelfth in the east they ain't even in a play-in game right now my my season preview i had the bulls playing their way into the top six right now they ain't even in the play-in game right now they're 12th in the east so you know it can't be all sunshine and rainbows it's time for some bulls fans out there it's time for y'all to get real and realize that it ain't right in chicago right now and something needs to change so we're gonna go through a couple scenarios a couple pass forward for the bulls here you know Scenario number one is probably what's going to happen. It's the most likely option. Um, It's that old Occam's Razor thing where the most obvious answer is usually the answer. And option one for the Chicago Bulls is staying patient, waiting for Lonzo Ball to come back and seeing how he transforms this team. And, you know, Lonzo Ball, he very well might do it. He's very impactful on this team last year you saw DeMar DeRozan he got all the credit for turning the Bulls around and rightfully so DeMar DeRozan played out of his mind last year is arguably the best year of his career last year which is saying a lot at the age of 32 years old to be putting in the best year of your career when you've already had a stellar Hall of Fame type career that's saying a lot for DeMar DeRozan so I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about DeMar DeRozan I'm just saying now that we're a little bit removed from it and we've been missing Lonzo for so long I think we can look back at last year at the start of last year And we can safely say that Lonzo Ball had just as much, if not more, to do with the Bulls' turnaround than DeMar DeRozan. So the thing with Lonzo Ball that... I did not know until I started watching him every day on the Chicago Bulls because, you know, I'd watch a couple Pelicans games, I'd watch a couple Lakers games, but unless you're really watching the dude night in and night out, you can't really appreciate what Lonzo does, right? Because you look at his stat line, and it's good, but it's nothing great. So you're like, oh, he's not really a, a franchise-changing player, and then you watch him on your team and you're like, no, this dude is a, a game-changing type player, and it starts on the defensive end with him. He's truly one of the best defenders in the NBA, you know, last year in the... In the short time that we saw him, we saw him defend everybody. I can remember watching an early game against the New York Knicks, and the Knicks, you know, the, the Bulls were guarding Julius Randle, who's one of the true old school power forwards. He can he has a post game, he's a strong dude, he can take it inside, he can score everywhere. And uh, the Bulls were putting Lonzo on him, the Bulls were D'ing him up with Lonzo, and it was working it was working. Julius Randle didn't do shit against Lonzo. And then you see other games when he's going against like the Sacramento Kings and he's bottling up De'Aaron Fox. And then you see games where we're playing against the Nets and he's D'ing up Kevin Durant. Like Lonzo is a very versatile defender. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. So it starts on that end. Without him, you know, the Bulls are hurting when they don't get that defense from the perimeter like Lonzo provides. The Bulls are definitely hurting out there. And then you look at the offensive end, and Lonzo, he's not the traditional point guard, right? He's not Jason Kidd or Steve Nash out here. He's not bringing the ball up court um setting everybody up methodically doing his thing picking apart defenses that's not lonzo when what lonzo is good at is he's gonna get that ball off a steal off a rebound and his eyes are up immediately he's pushing that ball in transition immediately he is making plays he's thrown we saw full court passes out of the dude last year um hitting dudes in transition like in the half court lonzo that's not really his game but in the full court, that's when he really gets unlocked. And the Bulls last year, they were at their best. You know, that shy a jamma that Stacey King was always talking about. That was always led by Lonzo. That was Lonzo getting a steal, getting a deflection, getting a rebound. Looking up, pushing the ball, finding the dunkers, finding Levine, Derrick Jones, Javante Green, you know, finding dudes. You even saw a couple times Lonzo himself would get the ball up there, push it. He'd sprint down. He'd catch an alley-oop or get a cutting layup like Lonzo changes the tempo of the game. He changes the intensity of the game. And the Bulls are sorely missing that this year. And then the last thing the Bulls are missing when it comes to Lonzo is the three-point shooting. The Bulls have struggled from three this year. There's been a lot of open missed threes by Caruso, by Io. Just the guard position has not been that great for the Bulls when it comes to shooting threes this year. And Lonzo last year, he was above 40%. And he was taking like six threes a game last year, shooting above 40%. We've seen this dude time after time year after year just his shot keeps improving it looks nothing like that janky ass shot he was firing up at UCLA he has really put the work into his shot to make it a consistent reliable beautiful looking shot and the Bulls are sorely missing that this team would look a lot better if they had Lonzo spacing guys wouldn't be able to sag off as much and help on Zach Levine help on DeMar DeRozan if Lonzo was in the game so the Bulls are sorely missing Lonzo and And if we do get him back this year, I feel like the three-point shooting is going to be even better from him this year. Because what's the one thing he's been able to do? He's been able to shoot this whole time. He hasn't been able to run. He hasn't been able to move. But I guarantee you, this dude loves to hoop. You know, they said he was recently cleared for some standstill shooting. I would not be shocked at all if this dude was already standstill shooting. I'm sure he was being smart. He wasn't doing anything, you know, explosive. But I'm sure he was you know working on his free throws, working on just catch and shoot jumpers, you know, things that don't take a whole lot of explosive movement and things that don't put a whole lot of pressure on those knees. So I'm sure Lonzo's jump shot is probably looking as good as ever right now. So that's option 1 for the Chicago Bulls is being patient, waiting for Lonzo to come back. You know, after his first surgery last year, the reports were bad. You know, it was his timetable was getting pushed back every Every couple weeks, it seemed like, till eventually he was just out indefinitely. And then a couple weeks before training camp, it was announced he had that second procedure. And ever since then, you know, the reports have been real positive about him. It seems like he's starting to ramp up a little bit more lately. So maybe we get Lonzo Ball back fist, faster than we thought. You know, I thought All Star Break probably be the earliest that we saw him, if we saw him at all. But maybe we get lucky we get him back till January. Can this team tread water until January? And then. Can this team tread water for that? It's going to take Lonzo about a month after almost a year of not playing ball. It's going to take that dude about a month to really get his legs under him, really get his timing down. We've seen that with Zach Levine so far this year, and he didn't miss nearly as much time as Lonzo has missed. Where Zach Levine, his timing's a little bit off, his rhythm's a little bit off, his legs aren't quite underneath him yet. Lonzo's going to need an even longer adjustment period. So can the Bulls, one, can they tread water for another month here? And two, can they continue to tread water for you know, the month that it takes Lonzo to get his legs back down, back under him. That's about two more months of hoping the Bulls can tread water, but I think that's probably the path that we're going to see this year out of the Bulls. It's the most likely scenario for the Bulls. is just staying patient, not making any big moves, not making any splashy moves, um, just staying patient and waiting out this Lonzo thing. And You know, I look at the team and there's been some highlights this year. There's been a lot of highlights this year. You know, it hasn't been a disaster season. It's just been a disappointing season so far. But you look at the weaknesses of this team and you realize Lonzo Ball can fix a lot of these weaknesses. Lonzo Ball can transform this team. You know, I'm a little hesitant and just wondering if we're going to get the same Lonzo Ball back after another in- knee injury, after another year off. You know, he's missed time in his career before, but he's still young. I still got to believe that he's young. He's working with the best doctors, best physical therapists in the world. Um, so I got to believe that, you know, we're going to get that same version of Lonzo back at some point this year. So that's option one for the Chicago Bulls. Now, option two now, this is where I'm gonna lose a couple people. Option two, this is where I'm gonna have people in my mentions, people coming at me, cause option two to me is get Billy Donovan the hell out of here. You <laughs> know, it sounds crazy, right? But we overrate the shit out of Billy Donovan if we're being real about it. And Billy is a good coach, don't get me wrong. He's not a bad coach. But, because we've had so many bad coaches in Chicago, we treat Billy Donovan like he's fucking Phil Jackson or something. And it just, that ain't it, you know? we went, we had the Fred Hoiberg years. Those were a disaster. Then we had the Jim Boylan years and he made Fred Hoiberg look good somehow. That's how much of a disaster he was. So whoever took that job after Jim Boylan, I mean, that dude was going to be a god in Chicago. And that's kind of what we've seen Billy Donovan get treated like, you know, I'm seeing a couple more fans come around to the way of thinking that Billy Donovan really ain't it as coach, but I'm still seeing a lot of people defending him on Twitter. And I honestly, I don't understand why, you know, You look at it, he's terrible at making adjustments in the game. You know, there's been a couple games this year where the Bulls came out in the first half and they were killing it, and then the other team made an adjustment at halftime, and Billy Donovan just looked stunned, like, I didn't know you could make adjustments at halftime. What's going on here? Why are they playing this way? Like, he's not good at making in game adjustments. And we're not even seeing, like, game to game adjustments, right? You saw, take Toronto, for example. We played them on a back to back. We saw them on Sunday, and we saw them on Monday. What did Toronto do on Sunday? They sent doubles at DeRozan the entire game, every time he touched the ball. Now, game two, you'd think we'd see that coming, but what did Toronto do again? They sent doubles at DeMar DeRozan's way, and don't get me wrong, Chicago got the win on Monday, good for them, but there wasn't really an adjustment made. All that happened is other guys started making shots, you know, game one, Damar DeMar DeMar's a good playmaker. He was finding guys for shots when he was getting doubled, but guys just weren't making the shots. Game two, there wasn't a big adjustment. The Bulls' strategy did not change. Guys just started making shots, and that's why they pulled away with the win. That's that's something where you look at the coach, and you're like, you literally saw this team last night. You had a whole 24 hours to come up with some sort of game plan to switch something up, and they just ran the same the same strategy out there. And they got lucky. You know, Toronto looked a little tired coming into that second game. And guys just started making shots. But Billy Donovan this year, he's been a huge disappointment. There hasn't been a whole lot of adjustments being made. I mean, you look at the way he's handling the power forward position, the forward position. And it's kind of a disaster, right? Patrick Williams started out the year slow. Everybody got on his ass. What did Patrick Williams do? He's totally turned his game around. Patrick Williams, now he's realizing that when he gets opportunities, he needs to take the most of it. We're seeing him crash the offensive glass. We're seeing him get deflections get rebounds get steals on one end and we're seeing him go coast to coast on the other end we're seeing a little bit more to his game early in the year he was just trying to be a catch and shoot guy and that's not his game now we're seeing more out of him we're seeing him realize they ain't gonna run any plays for me so when i get these opportunities when i get a deflection when i get an offensive rebound when i set a pick i gotta dive hard like we're seeing a change in his game we're seeing more more aggression and we're seeing better shooting out of him too he's been right around the 45% mark from three for the last six or seven games or so and it's just it's taken a while for Bulls fans to uh to really realize that Pat's turning it around because Bulls fans they have this habit I'm noticing where a lot of y'all talk shit on Twitter and it becomes very obvious that you're just box score watching you're not actually watching the games because guys will be like oh we only had seven points What a horrible game. And you're like, did you watch the game, dude? Those seven points he had were aggressive. Those seven points he had were, they were impressive. Like, we needed those seven points when he put him in there. It's not his fault that he's not getting the ball and he's not getting the minutes that he needs. You know, we've seen at times this year he's gotten above 30 minutes. But we've also seen at times this year where he's getting yanked and it's coming right kind of right at the precipice of when he's playing his best game and Billy all of a sudden yanks him and it's like you got to let the dude cook a little bit more he's a young kid he's 21 22 years old he's starting to get in a rhythm leave him out there let him cook let him get some more shots let him run up and down a little bit more let him keep crashing so the way Billy has handled Pat Williams this year it's it's been frustrating and then you look at the other two at the position you know Javante Green and Derek Jones Jr it's the same thing it's like it's weird because the games where those two are playing the best, you know, we've seen a couple of Javante games where he's playing out of his mind. He's flying all over the court. And those are the games he's getting like 12 minutes for some reason. And then on the flip side, it'll be the games where Derrick Jones isn't playing very good, but he's getting like 16, 17 minutes, even though Javante has outplayed him. That doesn't make a lot of sense. And then we're seeing the other thing happen too. We're seeing games where Derrick Jones... Plays 10 minutes. Makes a huge impact. His plus minus is off the charts. He's getting, you know, two, three block shots. He's moving around. He's crashing. And then we're seeing games where Javante, like I love Javante, but there's just certain games where he's just too small to play the four and be effective. And then it seems like in these games he's he's getting more run than Derrick Jones Jr. when Derrick Jones Jr. is outplaying him. So you look at it and it's almost like Billy goes into these games and he says, all right, tonight Javante's getting 24 minutes, Pat's getting twenty minutes, Derek Jones is gonna get about eight minutes, and then he just sticks with that. He doesn't he doesn't see the ebb and the flow of the game and make the adjustments and play the hot hand. And at the four position, that's something that that He's got to do you especially you have three guys who are talented guys three guys who are rotational pieces um, I think Patrick Williams has honestly distinguished himself as the best out of the group and should be the starter going forward But we need to see a little bit more, you know, playing the hot hand. On nights where Patrick Williams is playing good, let him get 36, 37, 38 minutes. On nights when Javante Green's got it going, let him get a little closer to 30 minutes. On nights where Derek Jones has it going, let him get a little closer to 30 minutes. Like, play the hot hand. Figure out what you're going to do at the four position. Because this mixed match thing and this, this set rotation that he seems to have going into the games, it's just not working. So I've had a lot of complaints with billy donovan this year i've had a lot of complaints with billy donovan in past years you know last year last year i was frustrated as hell with him because there were so many games where you saw the bulls came come out no energy no spark no motivation and that's directly tied into the coaching that is that is a culture thing that's an accountability thing and this year i'll give them credit there's been a lot of games where they battled back you know miami uh boston you know a bunch of games where they battled back but then Last night against the Denver Nuggets, it was the same thing. You saw them come out, and there was no energy. There was no spark, and you can't do that against these teams. The Chicago Bulls are good enough now, especially based on last year, where teams teams used to come into Chicago, and they wouldn't play that hard because they were like, oh, this team's dog shit. We're going to beat them. But last year opened a lot of eyes, and now when teams come into Chicago, they realize the Chicago Bulls are good We need to come out. We need to play our best game. And the Bulls, for some reason, they don't seem to reciprocate that. The Bulls will come in to these big games. You know, you saw it against Cleveland. You saw it last night against Denver. You saw it against Boston when they had to make that big comeback. Uh, They come out of these games, and it looks like they don't take these teams seriously. Like, they're not amped up to play. And that directly goes into culture. That directly goes into accountability. And that directly reflects on Billy Donovan. He has not been a great culture setter for the Chicago Bulls. And you can even look at this year. The Bulls are getting in a lot of trouble because they're complaining to the refs nonstop. And that, that starts at the top. I'm going to blame DeMar DeRozan for this one because DeMar DeRozan is the best player. He leads by example. And the example he's setting with these referees, man, it's not a good example. You see DeMar DeRozan and every single play it seems like that he doesn't make the shot and even plays where he does make the shot he's turning to the refs with his hands up he's falling to the ground like DeMar DeRozan is a great player he's great at drawing fouls he is a huge flopper like I don't know how people can watch it and not not say otherwise like he if a guy's within two feet of him he falls to the ground which good for you if you're drawing fouls that's awesome but When it hurts is when he falls to the ground, and he stays on the ground, and he doesn't get the call, and instead of hustling back on defense, he's complaining to the refs for that extra five seconds or so. Now the other team has a fast break. Now the Bulls are playing five on four, and you're seeing it seep into the team. You saw in Denver last night, it seemed like everybody was going at the referees. It starts with DeMar DeRozan, but you were seeing Io go at the referees. You've seen Vooch the last couple games. He's going at referees, getting teed up. Like You're seeing it. Out of the other players, and it starts with Demar Derozan, and then it just kind of trickles down. When your best player is doing it, the rest of the team is doing it. And if you're Billy Donovan, this is something that reflects back on you. You got to hold Demar Derozan accountable. You can't have him on a pedestal. You can't let him keep doing this. You got to instill in him, like, hey, man, I know that drawing fouls is your game, and that's cool and all, but I can't have you talking to the refs as much because then, like, the referees are human beings. At the end of the day, we've been complaining about missed calls all year. How much of that do you think is the refs are just sick of DeMar DeRozan and the rest of these bulls talking shit the whole game? You saw it a couple years ago, probably, what was that, like 10 years ago when the Clippers were really at their run. And they had one of the most, most talented teams in the league. But they were fucking horrible to watch because all they would do is bitch at the referees. And they would never get calls because the referees were like, man, fuck Chris Paul, fuck Blake Griffin, fuck DeAndre Jordan. Like, these guys, all they do is complain to us. We ain't giving them any calls. And you're seeing that this year with the Bulls. You know, we are getting ripped off with a lot of the calls, but how much of that is the Bulls' fault for the attitude that they're throwing at the refs and just the nonstop talking, nonstop complaining they're throwing at the refs? So that's a culture thing that Billy needs to get under control, man, because it's it seems to be getting worse and worse every game. So that is... My scenario number two is the Bulls get rid of Billy Donovan. I don't think they have anybody in house. You know, if they were going to name an interim coach, it would probably be Mo Cheeks. He's been a coach for a while. He's had some success in some spots, but he's a hard nosed coach. He's one of those coaches where his first year or two is usually pretty good with organizations. Then he wears thin on guys with this new generation. You know, he hasn't been a head coach in quite some time now. I don't know if he can get through to this new generation. I saw some people on Twitter the other day were floating Ime Udoka, and I mean, the Ime Udoka situation's wild, right, because Boston got him the hell out of there, and I thought it was a red flag that he didn't even try to challenge it or anything, he just took his suspension, took it all sitting down, like nothing, no no complaining, nothing like that. That's a little bit of a red flag, I mean... Deshaun Watson had like 105 women coming out against him, and he still didn't take his suspension lying down. So I'm wondering what Ime Udoka did because we still don't know the full scope of the story. And then you see the rumors that Brooklyn was going to hire him, and it seemed like it was a done deal. I mean, people were reporting it was a done deal, and then about a week later, Brooklyn was like, nah, actually, we ain't going to do all that. And I think that's probably more tied into the Kyrie Situation: The Kyrie of it all, because Kyrie has been causing Brooklyn nothing but headaches all year from a PR standpoint. So Brooklyn probably looked and was like, "Look, we just had to suspend Kyrie. There's a circus already. Um, if we bring Ime Udoka in there, like we're just asking for people to cancel us. We're just asking for problems." So I don't know. You know, maybe maybe Brooklyn got the full story of what happened to Ime Udoka in Boston, and maybe they were like, "Oh yeah, we don't want to go anywhere near that." I don't know what Ime Udoka did. You know, I really don't know. It has to be, it's something that's confusing because it has to be bad enough for all this to happen, but at the same time, he hasn't had any charges filed. I'm not aware of any lawsuits going against him or the Boston Celtics, so it's really confusing what's happening with Ime Udoka, but if for some reason the Bulls were able to vet it out and come to the conclusion that You know, he deserves another shot to be a head coach. I would not be opposed at all to that hiring from a basketball perspective. We saw Ime Udoka last year. What did he do to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? He turned them the hell around. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, when they were young players, they were playing with Kyrie Irving, so Kyrie Irving's attitude kind of rubbed off on them. You see, they still defend Kyrie Irving to this day. They're so close with him. But you could see on court in Boston, it was a problem. You know, the way that they carried themselves on the court was a problem. And Ime Udoka came in last year and he shut all that shit down. Now with the Chicago Bulls, you're seeing Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, they're kind of carrying themselves a certain way this year, and I think Emile Udoka could come in and he could shut all that shit down right away. He could shut all that complaining to the ref stuff down. He could shut all that not hustling back on defense shit down. He could shut all that coming out with low energy, coming out unfocused, all the all the careless turnovers the Bulls commit every single game. Like he could shut all that shit down real quick. So. Once again, I have no idea what Ime Udoka did. You know, don't quote me as saying that they need to hire Ime Udoka, but I'm just saying if he's out there and they do a proper investigation and they vet it out and they think he's, you know, he's deserving of a second chance, then by all means, give the dude a second chance. You know, you look around the rest of the NBA and it's tough to say, you know, who the next man up is for coaches. Billy Donovan, if the Bulls were to let him go, I don't know who the next man up would be that could do a good job. So, I think coaching eventually, like if the Bulls want to take the next step, they're going to need to fire Billy Donovan. They're going to need to go a different direction with the head coach. I don't think that's going to happen this year. It's just, it's my scenario number two for the Chicago Bulls. Scenario number one, stay patient with Lonzo Ball. Scenario number two, fire Billy Donovan. Get a new, get a new culture in there. And now, let's get to the fun stuff, man. Let's get to scenario number four. Or not scenario number four, sorry. Scenario number three. Scenario number three, make a big trade. Make a big splash. So, if I'm running the Chicago Bulls, here's the standpoint that I have. The standpoint that I have is DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine are untouchable. Everybody on the roster is available. Now, also, if I'm running the Chicago Bulls, my number one target in the entire league is Anthony Davis. You look at the Lakers... There's rumors that they're, they're taking calls on Anthony Davis. The Bulls better be the first motherfuckers calling them because Anthony Davis is from Chicago. He's represented by Clutch. We've seen these star players that are represented by Clutch. They don't get, just get traded anywhere. You can't just ship Anthony Davis out to Charlotte because they have the best package. He ain't gonna go to Charlotte. Clutch ain't gonna let him go to Charlotte. He's a hometown kid. He said in the past that he wants to go home. He wants to play in Chicago someday. And, uh, it's a big market too so it's a from an Anthony Davis perspective it's a realistic trade now I had Bulls fans on Twitter they were coming at me because of the package I floated I said you know Vooch, Pat Will, Io DeSumo, Kobe White and two picks Portland's pick this year which is going to end up in the teens and I think our 2025 is the first pick we can realistically trade which if everything goes right it's going to end up in the teens if not the 20s right so Bulls fans, man, Bulls fans were pissed. And every fan base does this, right? Where we have these players that we overrate. Um, and Io DeSumo is quickly becoming that player for the Chicago Bulls. I love Io DeSumo. Don't get it twisted. Like, people are coming at me like I hate Io DeSumo. Not at all. Love Io DeSumo. Io DeSumo's fucking great for a second round pick. I did not see this coming out of him. I thought he'd spent all of last year in the G League. Um, I thought we'd have to develop him. But he came in hungry. He came in ready to go. Io is the fucking man. I do not want to trade Io DeSumo by any means. But if it nets Anthony Davis in return, then yeah, I'm going to be the one to pack his bags if I'm being real about it. So you look at Io and we're overrating his play. Like he's playing all right, but he's not playing consistent. He's having really good games, and then he's having really invisible games. He's having really good stretches in games, and then he's flat out just invisible. And you saw last night, Jamal Murray ate him up. Jamal Murray was getting busy last night. Jamal Murray was getting wherever he wanted on the court last night. Lonzo ball on the court? That ain't quite happening like that. But Iyo Desumo, you know, he's not that level of player yet. And if we're being real about Iyo Desumo, he's a good player. He's gotten better this year. Um, is he ever going to be an all-star? No. I would assume he was never going to make an all-star game. I know that you guys like to look at how young he is and talk about potential, but look at the East. Look at the Eastern Conference. Tell me what all-star point guard or all-star level guard Ildusumo is ever going to be better than. You know, we could start We can start at the top. You know, you got Kyrie, you got Trey Young, you got Darius Garland, you got Donovan Mitchell, you got our own Zach Levine. Uh, Cade Cunningham is going to be in all-star games for a very long time. Even in Detroit, Jaden Ivey is probably going to make a couple all-star games. Tyrese Halliburton will be an all-star at some point. Uh, You look at the rest of the East, I'm trying to think who else is out. DeJounte Murray is now in Atlanta. He's going to be a problem. He's going to be an all-star for a long time to come. Um Tyler Hero might fuck around and make an all-star team. Lamello Ball's already making all-star teams, and he's only into year three this year. So the East Man, the East is stacked tell me out of those names that I just named, who is Iodesumu going to outplay to make an all-star game? I, I don't see it. He's just not gonna be an all-star level player. So when people get mad at that trade, I'm like, you realize I am floating Vucevic who we either love Vuce or we hate Vooch. There's really no in-between. And his game is kind of like that, too. He either has a good game or a bad game. He never has just an all-right game. You know what I mean? Um, so we're talking Vucevic, older player, expiring contract. We're talking Patrick Williams, who it's funny. A lot of Bulls fans talk shit about Patrick Williams until it's time to put him in trade rumors. Then they're like, oh, he was the fourth pick. We got to get so much more for him. Okay, I don't know if you guys realize how trades work, but Patrick Williams' trade value ain't that high right now. And then we, we get Io DeSumo. I just laid out why Io DeSumo, you know, why he's not an untouchable piece by any means. You know, good player, not a great player, not an all-star level player. Um, not even going to be like a top 50 player in the NBA. Probably will never make like a top 75 list in the NBA. He's a great role player, but he's not going to be like a franchise changing dude, you know. And I didn't even mention, we're paying Lonzo Ball like $20 million a year. What are we paying Lonzo Ball all this money for if we're going to... Hold out hope that I would assume it was this untouchable trade piece. So that just doesn't make sense to me why people are so hooked on I.O. And then Kobe White, like seems like most of the Bulls fan base hates Kobe White, even though he's actually played very good under the radar this year. But also he's a guy never gonna sniff an all-star team. Um another guy like Pat that people, you know, people will talk all this shit about on Twitter. And then as soon as we're throwing him into trade packages, like, oh you gotta get more for Kobe White, and it's like what? And then we talk about the first round picks. And first round picks are, they're overrated if we're being real. Like the Portland pick this year, you guys are talking about it like it's going to be this great pick. Portland's fucking good this year. Damian Lillard's healthy. The Jeremy Grant, um, Jeremy Grant acquisition was good. Anthony Simons is getting better every year. Nasir Little stepping into his role. Um, who's that kid that they, That they just drafted. He's killing it shade and sharp. Like his athleticism jumps. He jumps out the gym. Like you watch them play for five seconds and you see him out there. You're like, my God, that kid is going to be something someday. So Portland, that pick at best is going to be like the 18th pick this year. It's probably going to be in the 20s if they keep this play up. So look at past drafts, guys. Look at past drafts. The guy that you're taking with the 18th pick. This year we took Dalen Terry around that time. Is Daylon Terry a franchise-chasing piece? I mean, the jury's still out. He's very early in his career, but probably not. Is he going to develop into a nice role player? I think so. Is he ever going to be an all-star level player? I don't think so. Um, and then we talk about the 2025 pick. You know, we could protect it. We can make a top five protected if we wanted to. But if you're getting Anthony Davis in the trade, I don't really think you need the protections because that that pick should turn out to be in the 20s. So it's it's two picks in the late teens slash 20s. And four guys who are never gonna make an all-star game. You know, Vooch made an all-star made two all-star games, I believe, in Orlando, but we haven't seen Orlando Vooch in Chicago and he's thirty-three years old now, so I don't think we're gonna see it anytime soon. I mean Orlando Vooch is kinda of gone, so we're talking about four non-all-star players and two draft picks that are gonna be in the twenties for Anthony Fucking Davis, who has been a top five player in this league for a long time. Has his game regressed a little bit? Yeah. But honestly, a lot of it is due to health. But an even bigger factor that people aren't talking about is playing with LeBron James. LeBron James, great player. Uh, I'm gonna say third best player of all time. I'm a Kobe fan, so I still got Kobe one or not one. Kobe's two. Obviously, Mike's number one. Um, but you know, LeBron, great player. He kills big men. If we're being honest about it, you know, Chris Bosh was a top ten player, and then he got to Miami. He won some championships. Good for him. But LeBron turned his game into a catch and shoot game. Like LeBron transformed that man from a two way great player who could score everywhere to he was just a catch and shoot dude by the end of Miami's run there. And then he had instilled it in Chris Bosch so much that even when LeBron left, Chris Bosch didn't go back to Toronto Bosch. He still played that same way. Kevin Love. I was, I live in Minnesota. I saw prime Kevin Love. That dude could do everything on the offensive end of the basketball. He could take you in the post. He could take you out to three. He could do a little bit of everything. Cleveland, LeBron stuck his ass in the corner and said, you better make these open threes and you better crash them damn boards. And, you know, LeBron left, what, is it four or five years ago now? And Kevin Love, you know, Minnesota Kevin Love never came back. LeBron instilled it, beat him into it so hard that that's just his game now. Look at Anthony Davis on the Lakers. The same thing has happened to him. LeBron has turned him into a catch-and-shoot, a pick-and-pop guy. We're not seeing the same Anthony Davis that got the ball and was allowed to cook in different areas of the court. And, you know, if we can get Anthony Davis free of that LeBron thing this year, there's still time to turn it around. It hasn't totally been beat into his head yet. There's still some hope that maybe we could get old Anthony Davis back and, even current Anthony Davis is still a top 15 player in this league. He had 38 points, 17 rebounds, and five blocks last night. That's a man's game right there. That is a, that is a Shaq type game right there. So, all these Bulls fans out here that are getting mad at me for suggesting this trade package, the Bulls would be stealing Anthony Davis from the Lakers with that trade package. Y'all gotta realize, the Lakers are not desperate to trade Anthony Davis. This is not a, Russell Westbrook or Kyrie Irving thing where they're just looking at somebody and like, please just fucking take this guy. They're putting him on the market because their options are so bleak that they're like, hey, we got to put him on the market. We got to recoup some assets. And Anthony Davis is the only piece on this team that we can hope to get some real assets for. So if the Bulls are going to try to get Anthony Davis, they got to pony up. They got to pony up hard. And I mean, the package that I laid out is not even that good of a package if we're being all the way real about it. They might even need to throw a little bit more in it, but I'm of the mindset that if you have a chance to team up Anthony Davis, DeMar DeRozan, and Zach Levine, three top 25 players in this NBA, you got to do it. And Anthony Davis is an all-world defender still to this day. You know We play in the East. We got to go through Giannis. He is the one dude who can kind of slow Giannis. Nobody can stop Giannis. Anthony Davis might be able to slow him. You saw what Jokic did to us last night. Anthony Davis could at least do something against the Jokic's of the world. Joel Embiid has been eating the Bulls alive for like five years now. The Bulls have never beaten Joel Embiid. And Vucevic, he looks like a little puppy when he plays Joel Embiid. So Anthony Davis can potentially slow down Joel Embiid like... There's a lot of reasons that they should be looking at this trade and doing whatever they can do to get Anthony Davis. You know, people will say, "Well, you make that trade, you don't have any depth." That's not true at all. I mean, you still look at the team. We'd have a starting five of Anthony Davis, Javante Green, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, if healthy. Then you're coming off the bench. You got Alex Caruso. You got Goran Dragic. You still got Derrick Jones Jr. You still got Andre Drummond. You still got Daylon Terry. Like I don't. What more depth do you need? You know the Bulls right now. Arguably, they have too many players. They have like an eleven-man rotation, and realistically, you want about eight, nine guys that you trust when it comes playoff time. So this this trade would be a win for the Bulls all the way around. I realize Anthony Davis has some health issues. People call him street clothes, and it's funny to joke about. But the dude has played like twice as many games as Kawhi Leonard the last couple of years, and we don't give Kawhi Leonard the same level of shit. So. I'm making that trade all the way up from the Bulls. If you really want to be a team that's going to make runs in this league, that's going to make finals trips, you gotta make big splashy moves, you gotta take chances, you gotta try to acquire this top level talent. And Anthony Davis is still a top level talent, and he's still on the right side of 30, so. If I'm the Bulls, that's that's number one with a bullet on my list of trade targets is Anthony Davis. I'm making I'm doing whatever I can. If I can get Anthony Davis without giving up Zach Levine or DeMar DeRozan, I'm making it happen. Like that's just that's my mentality. And then you look at some of the other moves available to the Bulls and it's kind of rough out here, right? We saw reports that uh, the Nets are looking to move Joe Harris. Joe Harris would be a great fit on the Chicago Bulls. The problem is uh, his contract. You know, you look at his contract, he's making a lot of money. He's making like $15 million a year, and the Bulls don't have the salary. To to match that you look at all the bulls guys who are making that number, the only one who we could potentially move in that kind of trade would be Alex Caruso. And I want to trade Alex Caruso for Joe Harris. That's a that's a hard pass there. So Joe Harris, nice player. I don't see the path for the Bulls to make that happen. Another player that's available is uh Jay Crowder. You know, it's been rumored for a while that he's available, or not even rumored, he's straight up demanded a trade. So we know he's available. And that's a trade I've kind of been on the Bulls to go ahead and make. You know, I wouldn't mind if we could get, you know, Jay Crowder, if we throw Kobe White and a salary filler in and we bring back Jay Crowder. Phoenix needs another ball handler. Kobe White needs a fresh start. He's very close with Chris Paul. Chris Paul's kind of been a mentor to him throughout his life. Um, and Jay Crowder, he's just kind of, he needs to get the hell out of there. And he could provide a lot of what Chicago needs. Um, the salary filler in that trade would probably be Derek Jones Jr. So. I know a lot of Bulls fans. You know, we love D.J.J. But if we're getting back Jay Crowder, he's a guy who's made finals runs. He's made big plays on playoff teams. You know, that's not a move I'm opposed to. But that's not necessarily a trajectory altering move by this team. You know, you look at the Bulls roster and you rank these trade assets, and it's it's really it's really hard. You know, it's really hard to see what they could do. So if we take Zach Levine and Demar Derozan off the table, and we rank the Bulls trade assets. Number 1, it's probably going to shock some people, but honestly, I think with the way he's played this year, I think Goran Dragić is the Bulls' number 1 trade target by other teams. I think teams around the deadline, they're seeing how Dragić is playing. If the Bulls are still below 500 around trade deadline, they're going to be sniffing around Goran Dragić these contending teams because he's on a minimum contract and they're going to be trying to send the Bulls, you know, a heavily protected first, maybe a couple seconds, you know, something like that to try to get Goran Dragić. On this team, I just mentioned them. You look at a team like the Phoenix Suns, traditionally, they don't care about draft picks and they need another ball handler. So I think he's probably the Bull's most sought-after guy due to his low salary and the level that he's playing at and the experience that he has. You know, number two on the trade value list is probably Patrick Williams. You know, Patrick Williams is a guy who's getting dogged out by a lot of Bulls fans but he's actually playing really good especially the last 10 games or so he's kind of turned it around and other teams man other teams love to take risks on distressed assets that are that are as young as Patrick Williams is the problem with that is teams want to take that risk because they're not going to end up having to give up very much they're looking at a guy like Patrick Williams they're like we'll pay about 75 cents on the dollar for it and if he pops for us great if he doesn't well we didn't give up that much anyways but Patrick Williams, he's that piece who he maybe could command the second most back, but that you're probably looking at a bunch of protected draft picks. You're not looking at a franchise. You're not looking at an all-star level player back for Patrick Williams in any sort of trade. And then you look and Dalen Terry, he's probably he might. No, I'm not going to say Dalen Terry third. I'm going to say Alex Caruso's third because similar to Goran Dragic, you know his sa- Alex Caruso, his salary is. With the way salaries have spiked the last couple of years, you know, it's very reasonable. It's pretty; it's a pretty good bargain. He's a great defender. This year, we've seen him. The problem with Alex Caruso on the defense end, and we're seeing it get exposed a little bit this year, is he's kind of like that playmaker in football who takes way too many chances. He's kind of like a Trayvon Diggs in Dallas. You know, he, that dude will lead the NFL in interceptions, but he's also going to get burned a ton. And Alex Caruso, I believe he leads the NBA in... Uh, in combined deflection, steals, and blocks, um, whatever they call that when they combine all three of them. Pretty sure he leads the NBA in that stat, but we're seeing him get beat a lot too on backdoor cuts because he's so aggressive, because he's trying to jump passing lanes. These guys are faking going backdoor, getting him. We saw that a bunch last night against Denver. You know, Jokic, Jokic is like Aaron Rodgers out there. You saw Trayvon Diggs get burned by Aaron Rodgers last night in that Cowboys game. And, you know, Jokic was doing the same thing. I I counted three times where he beat Caruso with the same kind of fake, followed by the backdoor cut by the dude Caruso was guarding. So, love Caruso on the defensive end. Other team, you know, besides, he's one of those guys, he's going to take a lot of risks, but he's going to make a lot of plays offensively this year his shooting hasn't quite been there his turnovers you know I don't know if it's because we're seeing him have to play more minutes with Levine out he's had to start a couple times and he just offensively you know we're starting behind the eight ball when when we're rolling with Io DeSumo and Alex Caruso in a starting backcourt um, but we've seen a lot of turnovers out of him. I'm not saying they should trade Caruso at all. i I love Caruso. He's one of my favorite players. Um, I, my mom asked what I wanted for Christmas this year and I told her straight face Alex Caruso jersey. Make it happen. Let's go. And she was like, who the hell is Alex Caruso? Cause she doesn't, she doesn't know basketball like that. Um, but you know you look at you're ranking the trade pieces out of the Bulls and he's probably number 3 because teams teams need guards like that teams need defense like that you think of like what Alex Caruso could do on let's say a Golden State Warriors playing that Gary Payton Jr role last year and that's a pretty scary thought but it's similar to what I said about Dragic teams are going to be looking around they're going to be giving handing out these you know these protected picks These salary dump type trades, you know, this is a trade that the Bulls would make when they're punting on the season. When it's around trade deadline, if they're still sitting, you know, below 500 and it's just not going to happen, this is a punt on the season, let's recoup some assets type move. But he's going to be number three in our trade ranking. And number four is going to be Dalen Terry. You know, it's funny because we ain't really seen much of Dalen Terry. Last night I was hoping he would play the entire fourth quarter because that game was already out of hand. It was pretty clear that wasn't going to happen. Um, but teams look at him and he's got good size. He showed a little bit in the preseason. He was pretty impressive in the preseason. He's somebody that, you know, a team, if the Bulls were looking to trade, you know, he's somebody that the Bulls could package in a Vooch trade, um, instead of a pick you know if if like one of the, if a Vooch trade was all-star level player I can't even think of one off the top of my head but just just roll with me here all-star level player for Vooch and two first round picks instead of doing Vooch and two first round picks you could probably do Vooch, Dalen Terry and a first round pick so Dalen Terry he's still got some value he was a uh, top 20 pick last year just a couple months ago in the draft so he's probably number four on the Bulls trade value list Number five is probably Javante Green, similar to the Goran Dragic uh, piece of it. His salary is low enough and his game is fluid enough where, you know, you look at like the Nets, right? The Nets the last year, they had a lot of success with Bruce Brown playing that dunker role, playing next to KD. You watch the Nets this year, they don't have anything like that, but they're starting to get on a run. Ever since they suspended Kyrie, they've been playing much better basketball, which probably isn't a coincidence, but... uh You look at trades they could potentially be trying to make, and they would probably love a Javante Green. I think that Kevin Durant would love a Javante Green to play next. Now, it's similar to all these other trades. You know, The Bulls are not going to get a whole lot back in a Javante Green trade. This is a trade that they would make to punt on the season. And then you look at the rest of the roster. I mean, the Bulls just don't have... A lot of pieces that are going to bring them substantial pieces back right a lot of the pieces they have they're going to be moved in salary dump type trades you know second round pick heavily protected first round pick type trades for these contending teams that are just looking for one more rotation piece near the end of the deadline so that's another reason that i'm kind of all aboard this anthony davis thing because anthony davis is the one thing that the bulls could kind of package a lot of shit together for and really alter the way this this team is looking this year so from a trade perspective, the Bulls just don't have a lot of outs with this roster. You know, we all got really excited when AK took the job because similar to what I said about the coach before, you know, Garpacks was so fucking horrible. They they wasted Derrick Rose's prime. They made horrible trade after horrible trade. They Remember when they traded Lu Aldang, who was coming off an All-Star year who was starting that year playing at an All-Star level. They traded him for Andrew Bynum and I think what amounted to like a pick in the 20s. All time horrible trade. Like we were so sick of Garpacks by the end of it. I remember when the when the uh, All Star Game came to Chicago, the national media picked up on it because people had fire Garpack signs everywhere in Chicago, and people didn't know that till the All Star Game came here. So anybody who took the job after Garpacks was going to be a godsend in Chicago. And you know, don't get me wrong, A.K. And Mark Eversley, they've made some great moves. They brought us DeMar DeRozan. The the Vooch trade is going to go down as an all time bad trade, but. You know, it's easy to look back. In hindsight, at the time, it was a good trade. A lot of people, you know, thought the Bulls came out on top on that trade. Uh, It's just shook out. Totally different than what people thought. But they brought in Lonzo Ball. They got Alex Caruso. You know, they they stole Javante Green. We gave up Luke Cornette for Javante Green. That's an absolute highway robbery. Um, They were able to to sign and trade Laurie and recoup a draft pick, plus Derek Jones, who's turned out to be a valuable player. They got Goran Dragic for a minimum deal, Andre Drummond for minimum deals. Like They've made some great moves, but... This roster, it's not an elite level roster and it is kind of frustrating that, you know, we finished the year so disappointing last year and the offseason, we were looking at them to make some big moves and they really didn't make any big moves. You know, that's frustrating that we just rolled it back and are saying, well, let's see if it's any different this year. And so far through 14 games, it isn't any different. You know, the Bulls, they need to shake it up a little bit. They need to, they need to stop running so much to ball, um, there's so many Demar isolations, and just guys aren't able to get into a rhythm. And don't get me wrong, Demar Rosen. I think I saw a stat yesterday. He ranks third most efficient when it comes to isolation scoring percentage. But if you want a fluid offense, like that's where we really miss Lonzo Ball because he keeps the ball moving, he keeps everybody in check, he keeps everybody in rhythm. So the Bulls they need to get a little more creative on the offensive, and they need to play harder. That's going to come directly down to Billy Donovan. They need to play harder. It's it's a bad start this year. Like I said, they're pacing right now for about 38 wins. And that's that's going to be about 12th in the East this year. The East is a lot better. The Knicks got better. The Hawks obviously got better. Um, there's been some surprise teams. You know, the Wizards are a tough out this year. Um, so the East is a lot harder this year. The Pacers look better than we thought they were going to be. Benedict Matherin was the steal of that draft. That dude's flat out amazing. The Nets are starting to turn it on lately after a slow start. Like This East is going to be tough this year, so the Bulls, unless they're cool with you know trying to play for that playing spot, they need to make a big move. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, is that big move. I don't know if it's even reasonable for the Bulls to do it, but I think you throw everything you can at them, not name DeMar DeRozan, not name Zach Levine. And you hope for the best. If AK, you know, AK has a rep as being a very aggressive general manager. The type of aggressive general manager who keeps things close to the vest before he blows you away with an offer like he did, uh, to Orlando with Vucevic. There was no rumblings of Vooch being traded. It just kind of happened. And if Anthony Davis is gonna happen, I think you're gonna see the same thing. But, it's, it's just not the year that we were looking for from them. So, Going forward, you know, there's there's pass for the Bulls to turn it around. I don't think they can just bide their time and wait for Lonzo Ball. I feel like they need to make something happen, whether that's a trade, whether that's uh, a coaching change, something needs to be done here, you know, a rotation change, something needs to be done. We're going to see a lot on Wednesday. We're coming back on Wednesday against the Pelicans. Already lost to the Pelicans. That was a game that, you know, it's another one where you could say the refs screwed us, and they did. You know, that was a bad missed call at the end, but... The Bulls really got to handle business. That was a game that they were ahead, and they should have won, and they blew it. That was a game they had a double-digit lead for most of it, and they blew it. So Wednesday is going to be a lot because Monday was embarrassing. And if your team on Wednesday, if the team doesn't come out with fire, doesn't come out pissed off, doesn't come out and just kick the shit out of the Pelicans in the first quarter to you know prove that Monday was an aberration, that Monday was a fluke, I'm looking at Billy, and I'm like, "What are you doing here, man? Are you you were a great college coach? Do you know how to motivate grown men? There's a big difference. Um, there's a reason OKC was more than happy to let him go after he led them to the playoffs that Chris Paul year. Um, they probably realized he's a good coach, but he's not. He's not a next level coach. Billy Donovan's a good coach. Don't get me wrong. He's not a coach. If he's not the coach you want, if you really want to be competing for championships, so." I'm looking at Wednesday. I'm looking at that first quarter, and I'm saying, "Let's show me something, Billy. Show me that you can motivate these men. I'm looking at the Chicago Bulls. I'm looking at that roster. I'm saying, y'all got to show me something here. Show me that you care. Show me that you're pissed off that you just got flat-out embarrassed uh, by the Nuggets on Monday. So, We'll be back on, on Wednesday with the post-game pod for that. You know, I'm not trying to sound doom and gloom here, Bulls fans. I'm not trying to sound negative, like I'm shitting on this team. I love the Chicago Bulls. You know, people can say whatever they want. I was a fan of this team when their best player was Jalen Rose. I was a I was a fan of this team. We were dealing with like Eddie Robinson in the early 2000s. Um, you know, I was a fan of the team the past five years, and we we're hoping that Chandler Hutchinson would pan out to be a decent player. Like I've stuck with the Bulls through all the highs, all the lows. Uh, I'm just a realist about this team and I expect more out of this team. I expect this team to be a top six. I look at the talent on the roster and they have top six potential in the East. We're just not seeing them being properly motivated. We're not seeing them execute properly and we're just not seeing the effort there. So I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm not trying to piss a lot of Bulls fans off. I'm just saying something needs to change here in Chicago. I don't know if the change is going to be Lonzo Ball coming back, if the change is going to be a new coach, if the change is going to be a big trade, but We got to make something happen because right now we're treading to finish, you know, twelfth in the East, and flat out that is not acceptable with the talent this roster has. So we'll be back on Wednesday. We're going to hope for a big game against the Pelicans on Wednesday. Uh make sure you are not just listening to this podcast, you're rating it, you're subscribing to it, you're sending it to your fellow Bulls fans, connect with me on Twitter, Bloody Horns Podcast. I would love for you guys to tweet at me about this podcast and just let me know what you think. You know, where you agree with me, where you disagree with me. I have no problem if you guys, you know, you'll see in any of the Twitter replies when people are getting real pissed off um you never see me get pissed off back because it's twitter it's a make-believe place y'all ain't real out there um but it's and even if we're just talking like all we're doing is talking hoops i have no problem bouncing ideas off people i have no problem hearing your your opinions of the teams it's never a thing where we're gonna get real heated and real disrespectful on it so reach out to me on twitter let me know what you think about some of this stuff and let's let's just talk bulls let's just connect bulls baby See red nation bulls nation let's go